Aloha, Matt. How are you doing today? Good, Uncle Kevin. How are you doing today? <laughs> doing good, doing good. So I'm excited to be back. I recorded another podcast here this after, or this morning with you. And, uh, you know, I think we've got a really interesting topic lined up. Might be a little controversial. Could lead to some finger pointing if you try to discuss this amongst your own internal teams. But uh, I think it's something so that... So many we, hot takes. Hot takes. Hot takes. Mm, hot cakes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't had breakfast yet. Anyhow, so what I'm thinking we should talk about today is why... On occasion, not all the time, but um, we often see a disconnect between marketing numbers and sales numbers. And let me start off by telling you a little story about a, a call I was on recently, which kind of sparked the idea for this. And then I'll let you weigh in with your two cents. Does that sound good? Can you be quiet for a couple of minutes and let me talk? That sounds great, Kevin. Please tell us a story. All right. Um, so yeah, I was on a call recently and one of the questions that kept coming up from the customer was, okay, if we do this SEO work, um, to drive more traffic to our website, how many more sales are you going to get us? The story is so boring already. I know. Sorry. Once upon a time I was on a call. And so it came up a number of times and what I had to do was just kind of pump the brakes with them and and kind of have a bit of a heart to heart with them is saying that, you know, right now, because you're, you're a new customer, I'm not overly familiar with your market. You know, we're just talking about this as early stages that, you know, we can do these SEO activities and it will definitely drive more traffic to your website, more visitors, eyeballs, whatever you want to call it. But I can't necessarily guarantee you that you're going to result in more sales. And they kind of didn't like that response. I think they were expecting someone to tell them. I know this is where it starts to get a little scary. Um, They were expecting, I think someone to say, well, Hey, you should be able to get X number of new customers. Your average deal size is this and blah, blah, blah. But here's the issue. Um, You know, obviously, yeah, we can drive more traffic, but if that traffic gets there and finds that, a, you're overpriced for your, your market space. Um, B, they don't like the color of, you know, the product that you're selling. Um, you know, if it's not the right size, if they don't have the right colors, whatever. And I said colors twice because I think it's really important. Actually, I'm lying. I just said colors twice because I wasn't paying attention. But <laughs> no one is. No. Uh, by this point, I'm sure everyone's tuned out. Um, but the point is, is that, there's, especially with an e-commerce or even with um, large enterprises and complex B2B sales, that there's going to be a bit of a disconnect there sometimes, right? Um, we can bring people to the site. We can't make them buy if you're overpriced, if they don't, you know, if you're not located where they want to stop in and buy something. If you're online only and they want to go in and try something on. Um, there's a whole bunch of reasons why they can't right now. Our job is to make sure that we're doing our best to draw in the right types of people. But if sales is incompatible with that, um, if your, your product is incompatible with what they're looking at, we can't guarantee those sales. And it's just, 
it's something that I've run into a few times now. It was fresh in my mind based on a recent call that we had. And I thought it was important to talk about. And Matt, I know you've run into this a few times too. So do you have something to add? Yeah. So it's interesting too, like all those different things that you mentioned specifically, but another one being like, what's the website look like? What's the purchase experience from an e-commerce perspective or conversion like optimization on a site to get the actual lead? Um, Like if the website stinks, we've probably given our two cents. We've probably explained that to the people that we're working with or the web developer, but if nothing changes there, people still aren't going to be able to buy. Like that's not marketing's responsibility. We have a responsibility, I think, to all the people that we work with to give our two cents. Um, maybe not give two cents, but like, and not put our foot down, but I can't think of anything in between <laughs> uh, to articulate myself. But like, we need to make it clear, like if someone comes to this website and it's a lousy experience, you're not going to get the sales because not only are we trying to help the people that we're working with, but also like we need to protect ourselves because that's going to give us a bad reputation realistically as well. Yeah. And and just to clarify. So yeah, I mean, in this example that I was thinking of and the reason I didn't bring up the user experience of the site is because, you know, for most of the engagements we have with customers, we take ownership over the the site and the the UX and the conversion paths and things like that. So we want to make sure that, you know, we're going to take ownership and we're going to identify those areas where people are dropping off and hopefully we can work towards improving them. But yeah, it's, it's a good point you bring up, like depending on the scope of the services or if you're doing this type of work in house, how much control you have over your website without doing a complete overhaul. Um, yeah, those can definitely play into it. Yeah. And I just reminded of a company I was working with in the summer and they sold baby clothing and like toddler clothing, baby clothing for sure. Uh, they were a pretty well-known company in the industry, to be honest. And by all accounts, like we were driving really good traffic to them, but they had a couple different issues. One of which was the website. So nowhere on the site did they mention how much shipping was and shipping actually cost the consumer money. Huge issue because most people now expect free shipping. Um, I don't know the stats specifically, but it's like the most important thing for an e-commerce site to offer and tell people about because people are actively looking for sh- free shipping. Another thing that they didn't really mention, cause not that they were hiding it, but like their shipping times were almost like two weeks, mm-hmm. which is like a huge issue. Cause people also now thanks Amazon, thanks Bezos, uh, is like two day shipping, three day shipping, four days. Um, yeah, I notice it all the time when I, I buy tea online where it wants me to pay extra for like rush shipping and I never do. It still gets to my door in two days mm, yeah. at your basic shipping rate. And I was like, why would I pay for extra shipping? Anyways, um, those were two of the big concerns. The other really, really, really big concern was that when this company launched, um, they got famous pretty quickly. I can't remember why, um, but they were pretty well known. But and they knew this, the products were not that great. Um, they had, their distributor was like, they're purchasing it somewhere in China. I think they're a drop shipping company. Um, the products weren't always up to par. The products that they were selling specifically out of the States were great. Um, but the ones that they were getting overseas were very poor. And like the mummy blogs, because it became so popular, were like praising them in one sense. But in the other sense, when it came to a lot of the product, they were getting terrible reviews, bad, bad, bad reviews. So 
like we got into a situation where we're like, we're trying to help them fix that. It was so bad that they couldn't even um, do ads on Facebook anymore because Facebook has this rule that if your reviews online are below a certain number, you can't even advertise on their platform. Um, I forget the name of it also, but like all their Facebook reviews were below like three stars or two stars or something. So they weren't even allowed to use the Facebook platform for ads anymore. Um, so in one sense, like we were getting kind of criticism from the people we're working with saying like, Hey, you're not getting us enough sales. You're not doing this, you're not doing that. I'm like, what more can we do here? Like I always say to people like our job as marketers is to lead the horse to the water. Uh, we can't convince them to drink the water. But in this case, it's like, I don't want to convince a horse to drink poisonous water. Like you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do hate horses. So, I mean, <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, that, that makes a, a lot of sense as well. You bring up some good points. Like we have expectations that things are instant these days, right? Wasn't that long ago that if you wanted to put a check into your bank account, you'd have to go in, fill out a, you know, the deposit slips, talk with a teller, wait in line, do all that kind of stuff. And now you just pull out your phone, snap a picture of the front and the back of the check and it's in your account. And that, that kind of brings up a, another you know, user experience standpoint where it can really impact your ability to make sales. And that's more in the, the kind of the complex sales cycle where, you know, it's not e-commerce, a salesperson does need to get involved. And, you know, things like somebody fills out a form, but the sales rep doesn't get back to them for two or three days. I mean, that, that's, that's a lost opportunity at that point, in my opinion, right? Uh, yeah, or poor follow-up and not to get too much into finger pointing because we don't want to do that. But that's a great point. Like maybe your sales team or your salesperson might not be up to snuff and maybe that's like a bit of an issue as well. Yeah, and, and I think you, you're exactly right. This isn't about finger pointing. It's not to say that, you know, your website's garbage and your salespeople, you know, should be replaced. It's It's all about breaking down the silos that most companies have built up around different departments. Right. Um, and even I've even seen it in like small companies where one person owns marketing sales and customer service. And somehow they treat all these different areas as different silos. Right. And, and they're not interconnected, but to your point, they absolutely are. Um, and I think it's about, you know, in, in the example of, you know, a salesperson takes two or three days to get back. I think it's important to work with the salespeople to understand why it's important to get back to people quickly. You know, wouldn't they want to be followed up with quickly themselves if they were reaching out to somebody? Um, and, you know, again, that's, that's a spot where we can use some automation and tools like that because, you know, people might be busy. I might not be able to get back to you within 15, 30 minutes, whatever it is. But if I've got some automation built into my site, I can at least get an email touch point out to you with an invite to, to connect and book a time to talk. Right. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think a challenge too, with the prospect that you're talking about was the concern about, well, we were doing SEO already for three months and it didn't work. There's a couple things that come to mind. One of which the immediate one is like, okay, be patient. SEO takes longer than that. In some cases, that's true. It's very accurate, depending on how competitive it is, depending on the location, all that kind of stuff. I think sometimes 
we as marketers, I'll say as a whole, but I know like I'm not like this and I'm sure you're not the same way. I try not to fall back on the patience thing with SEO too much because like I've had experience, like we can rank websites in a couple months. Mm-hmm. However, I think it's like a crux that a lot of like, marketers will fall back on to buy themselves time, which I don't think is fair and gives us all a bad name. But there is some reality to that. Like we're not going to correct course online and have ranking your website in the first month and then all assuming your website's working perfectly and your sales team is excellent. You're not going to increase sales in month one. It's going to take time. The other concern also, in my opinion, is um, with SEO, like that's only one channel that they're looking at. Um, There's what Google says, people interact with your brand 12 times before they reach out to you. So you're just hitting SEO. What if people are finding you all the time on Facebook or not finding you all the time on Facebook? They're not finding you on Instagram. They're not finding you with Google ads. This is one channel that you were trying to affect. Yeah, yeah. And I want to go back to your first point on the, the timing because you're absolutely right. Um, Google indexes things a lot faster than what it used to. Um, the old days of... Oh, you've got to be patient. It's going to take 18 to 24 months before you see any results is, is garbage. Uh, that's non-existent now. I know, you know, as an example, you and I worked on a project together where, you know, it was a very niche application, very localized market, and we were able to move up their core keywords to the first page um, within a month, right? Because it wasn't overly competitive. And I think going back to the timing thing is that, yeah, if you have, you know, really competitive keywords, it's going to take some time, but that's not an excuse. You should still be seeing incremental changes in where you're ranking some volume, some additional volume to your site and things like that along the way. Um, It's not like there's this magic switch that, you know, 10 months from now you flip it and you go from 50 people a month to a thousand people a month overnight. Yeah, of course. And like, I've been pretty fortunate by seeing success ranking websites where I'm from, like in a, it's a big country town, but it is still like in the country and I'm able to rank websites really quickly, like one to two months, maybe three. Um, But I do have experience in Toronto. I do have experience in Chicago and you don't see those websites ranking on page one in the first month or two, but you're seeing major changes. You're taking them from page 10 page six or like page three within the first month just by some tactics and then from there you're in the game and you can like keep pushing that forward um so like it it is a patience thing like it doesn't need to be as long as a lot of people say but yeah very cool um any other thoughts on kind of where this disconnect comes from ways that we can help people address it or is it just understanding that you need to look at everything as a, as a bigger picture. You need to analyze where things are, are bottlenecking or where people are dropping off in the process and just slowly chip away at those. Yeah. Like with SEO, your, your main concern right out of the gate should be getting you ranking. Um, so finding those handful of priority keywords and using SEO tactics like on page recommendations content, link building is a huge one. And then your first goal should be making sure that you're increasing the ranking of those keywords, um, improving ranking, I should say. So getting those onto page one somewhere. That's step one. From there, you get more visibility. 
more visibility will lead to more clicks. More clicks will lead to more people on your site, which will eventually lead to more sales. Like it's a numbers game. You need to sort of take your time and get there. Um, it's just like step one of SEO is not okay get the stuff ranking and then it will lead to sales. It's a longer process and it's more than just one thing there. Yeah. And I think the the last point I'll throw onto here as well um, is that, you know, one thing that some companies don't take into consideration as well is what the total market cap for your search volume is, right? Some people will come in and they'll be like, well, we get, you know, a thousand people on our site, but I want to get 10,000 people on our site every month. And when you start running the keywords for their geography, you find out that now you're capturing 90% of the search volume already. There's, there's not a lot of room to grow. And when you start running into that, we can't just, you know, any traffic we're driving past your, your main keywords and related keywords is just, they're not going to be relevant. So you're going to notice your conversion numbers drop and things like that. At that point, when you're near that cap, that's when I like to work on conversion optimization for the site itself, right? So that if we're getting a thousand people a month, but we're only converting 5%, how do we move that number to 10% instead? Yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, great point. It reminded me of the point I wanted to make. So thank you. Sure it did. Um, I've dealt with a lot of like niche companies before. And I, I personally have a belief that most businesses are niche unless it's food because everybody needs food. Like even men's sweaters are technically niche. Anyways, um, there's always a concern. You see people like, okay, the SEO is working. Like our keywords are ranking. We're in top three, but we're not getting a ton of traffic or traffic's increasing, but it's like a hundred people a month type thing, which is might be great for some people. It might be terrible. But like you said, like there's a cap on that. We can't convince more people to search for you from an SEO perspective, there's ways to do that. That's a different conversation, but like with SEO, we can't convince more people to search for us. It's very much reactive. We need to be in front of people when they search for those type of keywords. That's what SEO is all about is making sure we're in front of people when they're actually searching for keywords that are important to us. Yeah. And well said. So, um, I guess, you know, in closing, um, it's just about kind of managing expectations, looking at things in that bigger picture and just being kind of straightforward with it all. Um, Matt, do you have any smart ass comments to make before we leave and wrap this one up? No, no, I'm fine. <laughs> you sure? I'll plead the fifth. All right. Well, that's the first time for everything. So anyhow, I uh, want to thank everyone for listening to Digital Fuel today with Kevin and Matt. Um, if you want to learn more about topics like SEO and inbound marketing and content marketing, all that great jazz, you can visit our websites. Matt is mattygdigital.com and uh, mine is thinkfuel.ca. So appreciate your time again, Matt, and uh, look forward to a lot more sessions like this together. Arrivederci.